This is Dr. Rob Harder with the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast, making your world better. What does it take to be an effective nonprofit leader today? What are the biggest challenges? What are the biggest obstacles? How should nonprofits fundraise in an economy that is constantly changing? All of these reasons combined led me to start this show. And it's my hope that through this series, people can learn not only what it takes to be an effective nonprofit organization, but to hear from effective leaders who are successfully making a positive impact in their communities. We hope you enjoy the show as together we hear how they are making their world better. Hello, nonprofit leaders. I think we all know about the frustration that some of us have at times when it comes to board engagement. Maybe you as a nonprofit leader have voiced frustration asking questions like, why don't board members do what they're supposed to do? Or why isn't there more engagement with my board? My guest today is Hardy Smith, and he and I will discuss what some of these major fails are and specific actions nonprofits can take that will make significant difference, I think, with board engagement with your organization. Now, he's the author of Stop the Nonprofit Board Blame Game, and this book shows really how nonprofits can benefit from a positive, productive, and fully engaged board. I can't think of a more important relationship but the nonprofit board with its staff, and specifically its executive director. And so the more we can understand and figure out how best we can engage the board of every nonprofit, it's only going to benefit our nonprofit organizations. Enjoy today's show. This podcast is sponsored by DonorBox. DonorBox, helping you help others with the best donation forms in the business. Well, Hardy, thanks so much for being on the show today. We are going to be talking about how to maximize your board's impact. And you have a new book out, Stop the Nonprofit Board Blame Game. And so I wanted to start with the fact that we all know about the frustration nonprofit leaders often voice about board engagement. And some of you maybe wonder, my listeners, why your board members don't do what they're supposed to do. And so, Hardy, maybe that's how we could start today is start with why is this such a prevalent issue for far too many nonprofits? Well, Rob, that is a great question. (laughs) And I would answer your question of why it's such a prevalent question with a question. Is it possible that our nonprofit leaders in the audience who are experiencing frustration with their boards, is it possible, Rob, that they might be contributing to the situations that create the frustration? And that's a good point. That's the place I, I would suggest where we start. Okay. That's fair. Well, this, yeah. And then a lot of this starts down with just being clear with your board on expectations, right? That the board has for them. So how can my listeners create better clarity when it comes to expectations for their board? We're getting into the secret sauce really quickly here. So yep. it's, you know, one of the things that that I've observed in, in the re- my research to Rob, to answer the question, why don't board members do what they're supposed to do? One of the things that I found is that as nonprofit leaders, there's a direct pattern, and I'm kind of a pattern identification type person. There is a direct pattern between organizations using the same best practices, quote, best practices and in, in processes and in board recruitment, the same practices and board engagement, their approach to board engagement, their same practices in communications with their board and those same practices that they keep rinse and repeating over and over and over 
aren't getting the results that they want. So it, wouldn't that indicate, you know, we've all heard that old saying about if you keep doing something in, in the same way and expecting a different result, you know, what? what's that the, the definition of? You know, we all heard that. And I, I would submit, okay, ask yourself that, nonprofit leaders. So another situation that could be causing the, the frustration, is it possible you have the wrong people on your board? And if you do, if you feel like you have, if the results say you have the wrong people on your board, whose fault is that? And I'm, we're going to get into that. I'm going to share some how-tos. And this leads directly into your question about clarity. I think a lack of clarity around board expectations is one of the biggest challenges organizations have. And let me explain if I might go a little bit deeper with that, Rob. The organizations aren't totally clear internally on what the heck it is they're asking their board members to do. So you got two groups of board members. You got prospective board members and you got current board members. With current board members, okay, staff goes off to a convention, they come back with a great idea and says, hey, here's what we're going to be doing. So that's asking and not, that's telling and not asking. So huge mistake in relationships. So it's telling your board members not getting their input on getting to clarity, both current board members and prospective board members. It's so important in you know, to have clarity with your prospective board members. And I know we're going to talk about recruiting in a bit, but Rob, here's the situation. Quite often, my experience has been quite often that in the recruitment phase, we're so interested in getting a prospect to yes, we're not sharing everything we expect for them to do. But here's the important thing that we all need to remember in these communications. So whatever the ask is, make sure you're communicating it. And then once you communicate that ask, stop talking mm. and let your prospective board member talk. Well, and you already touched on it, but another area of improvement uh, with this whole scenario centers on how you recruit your board. You can mention that a bit, but let's talk more about that. What's the process by which you recruit your board? And how can you recruit based on a clear purpose? I, I think that is so important. And I, I appreciate an opportunity to, to get into that topic, Rob. My experience shows that it's important to understand what it is you need on your board. And over the period of time, that changes. And you need to recognize that. So for the startup nonprofit, you know, there's there are topics about the life cycle of boards and in nonprofits. So in the early stages of, of a startup, you may need all hands on deck. The board members themselves are actually hands on. They're the labor. They're the ones doing the work. Period. They're doing it. Well, as you grow and evolve, it could be quite possible that you're, you ultimately get to where your board becomes a more strategic board. And you're taking advantage of what they do and what they represent skill-wise in different ways. So just depending on where your organization is, you know, for example, 
we've just, you know, gone through ooh, a very hard uh, couple of years dealing with a pandemic. There are, you know, I'm not an economist, but I, I know what the history of the economy is, the ups and down cycles in the United States. There's prediction, dire predictions of, I don't know if it's chicken little stuff or not. I don't know. But is it possible you need board members that can help you sort out these challenges of change and disruption and how to adapt the organization? You know, those kinds of things. Is it possible your organization is committed to a whole new computer system that's going to, could be quite expensive? Do you need a board member or two that has some good, solid tech experience? Are you a nonprofit organization that's considering a, a possible merger or strategic alliance? And could you need board members who have that type of experience in the for-profit world? So what, you know, what are the skills that you need sitting around your board? And I think diversity of skills is so very important. It, I mean, we're going to talk about diversity, I know, in a little bit. And I welcome that. But diversity of skills is so important. And then who? Start, you know, consider making a list of prospects and, and a pool of candidates. You know, who fits the different skill sets or experience levels that you need? Who has those? And then, so when, what's the, what do you think the benefit is of having a pool of potential candidates for your board. What's the benefit of that? Oh, yeah. I mean, that then you've got this kind of deep bench, if you will, right? That you can continue to be kind of recruiting on a regular basis because people leave for all kinds of reasons. Maybe surprisingly, they get moved out of the area, right? And so you need to backfill those positions quickly. And so if you've got that pool lined up, you can fill your keep your board at the right level at all times. Absolutely. And you know what else it means? It means... When the annual meeting comes up, you know, so we're we're just a few hours away from December the 1st. How about that? When we're recording. So that means January is not far away. And that means annual meetings in January, early February are going to be happening. And what's one of the activities that usually happens for most nonprofits at annual meetings? You're electing new members to the board. Well, going kind of going taking a step backwards from the annual meeting timeline, how often do you see, oh, it's November and the last board meeting before the annual meeting, we've got two vacancies on the board. Does anybody have any ideas who we could get? So, you know, you're kind of stuck at the last minute. So now at least you've got, you're showing some intentionality by identifying the what and the who, and you've got names that you're not waiting until the last minute for. Love it. Okay, good. All right, so for my listeners who are board members, and I assume we have several listeners that are board members, I'm wondering how many of them have not had a good experience with a board. In fact, I was going to mention to my listeners, if you serve on a board and whatever your experience is, good or bad, I'd love to hear what your board experience has been. You can just email me at rob at robharder.com and let me know because it'll feed into maybe we can get those before we post this. So from your research, when board members don't have a positive experience as a board member, what's usually the culprit to their negative experience? What board members have shared with me the number one culprit leading to a bad experience is poor communication. And I don't mean 
a lack of communication. Well, sometimes it is a lack of communication, but the answer is not more, not necessarily. But you've got to, as a nonprofit leader, you've got to understand how to be an effective communicator. That's why I spend so much time on that in the book is showing why that's a problem, what creates it, what contributes to the problem, and then what you can do to be a, a better communicator. So the poor communication, such as not getting information, uh, I've had board members share with me, they feel kind of like mushrooms in a grow house, <laughs> kept, okay. kept in the dark and covered with, well, you know what mushrooms are covered with in a grow house. So that's, if they feel like that's not a very good situation or the timeliness, you know, the in, important information they're not getting until they get to the board meeting and it's in a packet, you know, could it have been sent out the week ahead of time? And don't argue with me about, well, they won't read it. That's on them, but at least you've sent it. It's also important, Rob, to understand that different individuals receive and process information in different ways. So a one-size-fits-all communication style to 12 different board members is not going to be successful. And it's quite possible, getting back to, are you, ask yourself, are you contributing to the situation that's causing you to be frustrated? Take a look at your own communication style. Are you an effective communicator? It takes two to have effective communication. Another thing that upsets board members is they're turned off by the slackers. So somebody has brought on non-performing board members, and I'm talking about good board members who were good, but they get turned off because, well, they're the only ones doing the work. So why are these other people here? They also feel like quite often they're wasting their time. And the final one is they don't feel like the organization is moving forward with any clear direction. And that leads directly into the propensity for some weird reason that nonprofits have for being totally averse to good planning. So that's a whole nother topic we could get into another time. But those things are big. We'll be right back. Are you looking for an easy and effective way to boost your nonprofit's donations? Look no further than DonorBox the online fundraising platform that streamlines your fundraising efforts, maximizes donations, and simplifies giving for your supporters. With DonorBox, you can create beautiful donation forms, accept digital wallet payments, track donations, and send auto receipts. And the best part? There are no setup or monthly fees and no long-term contracts required. So what are you waiting for? Visit DonorBox.org today to get started. That is DonorBox.org. Hey friends, thanks so much for listening to the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast. I wanted to let you know that I've recently become a professionally certified coach. With my nearly 30 years of nonprofit experience, I know firsthand how hard leaders work. I also know how important it is to have someone you can call on to get help with the barriers and leadership challenges you will face both professionally and personally. I really want people to thrive and become all they were meant to become by providing coaching and consulting services. If coaching is something you've always been interested in, but weren't quite sure what it was all about, I encourage you to reach out. You can go to my website, robharder.com, or just email me at rob at robharder.com. 
I would be happy to provide a free sample coaching session so you can determine if coaching is for you. Thanks again for listening. Now back to the show. All right. Well, one of the things I've done in my experience is put together a matrix of current board members. What I mean by that is it basically um, is like a chart, an Excel spreadsheet, and shows what their interests are, what their specialties or strengths lie, uh, what the makeup of the board is. And it's a nice way in a one document sheet that you can send to your board members just the wonderful diversity that you have on your board or perhaps don't have. You know, for example, maybe you're looking for more people with finance background or you're looking for people with more nonprofit experience, actually being an executive director, perhaps. But if you don't actually intentionally spell out and list all these strengths and specialties, as well as what the makeup of the board is, it's sometimes difficult to really you know, spread that out and have a better selection process and be intentional with your recruiting. And so maybe you could talk about that when it comes to being really intentional about your board leadership, when it comes to selection and development of that board. Talk more about that. What, have, what has been your experience? So critical. There is uh, there's some really uh, interesting research that's been done over the past few years by both Compass Point and, and the Haas Foundation and also Board Source. And that identifies a leadership gap in the nonprofit sector among board members. So here's the situation. So you've got a maybe a chair elect, vice chair is going to be the next chair situation. So the survey results say that there is an amazingly high percentage, Rob, of board chairs who report they have had no prior experience in a similar role. Now, let that soak in. No prior experience and also no training to prepare them for their board chair role. Now, think about that. Quite often, that board, who is that that board chair, especially in a local level? Probably a top business owner, a CEO, may have even been the board chair of a half a dozen other nonprofit organizations. But it's like my basketball coach that used to ask me, well, Hardy, are you practicing to get better or are you practicing and reinforcing bad techniques? So just because you've been a board chair somewhere else means a couple of things. Doesn't necessarily mean you were good at it. It also doesn't automatically mean you will be a good board chair in this new organization, in this new setting. So my suggestion is don't assume. Number one, don't assume your incoming leadership um, has the experience they need. And, And how do you not assume? You just ask them and ask them what their prior experience has been. Ask them, don't assume. Do you have experience in facilitating meetings with volunteer participants. And remember, these are all their peers. So it's quite, the reality is, you know, facilitating volunteers among your peers, it's a lot different than is the CEO, the owner of the company that says, here's the order, here are the orders of the day. If anybody asks why, the answer is because I said so. So you can't do that with a group of volunteers. So, you know, what can you do? Get them to attend, you know, a conference. Probably your local nonprofit leadership center has training opportunities. Probably a state or regional nonprofit leadership 
training, opportunity, have mentor support groups of past chairs. But let's take this back down off below the chair level. What are you doing to develop bench strength? Are you giving incoming leaders opportunities to prepare? And are you using committees to develop a farm system for future leadership and qualifying and quantifying future leadership opportunities? So be intentional. Make sure you're bridging that gap about a lack of leadership experience and training. That's good. No, I like that. Very good. Helpful, practical information. Now, I wanted to mention there has been a real emphasis, especially I would say the last three years, uh, for nonprofits to do a better job at intentionally bringing on more diversity to their boards. Um, Talk about that. What's your recommendation to nonprofits who are wanting to really diversify their boards? How best should they go about that? That's a fantastic question. I'm so glad that we have an opportunity to address that today, Rob. Some interesting research. Uh, Board Source and others identify that most nonprofits, a very, very high percentage, like in the the 90% range, all have, when asked, do you have a goal for creating diversity and inclusion on your board within your organization? Pretty much, yes. We have a goal. Question number one. But here's the big but. Question number two is, have you taken action on that to achieve that goal? And Rob, the answer goes 180 degrees the other way. Well, we have a goal, but we haven't really done anything. Now, it's easy to jump to judgment and say, well, they're just setting a goal and pandering and checking a box. Here's what my research says. My research and experience has shown me that the intention is good. It is sincere. The challenge is organizations, boards, don't know how. They don't know how. Now, listen carefully, folks in our audience. Uh, Your board members don't know how to recruit someone who doesn't look like them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Why would that be? Why would that be? They want to get diversity, but who do they socialize with? Who do they do business with? Who, who's in their sphere of influencers? Who do they play golf with? Who do they go to the ball games with? And typically it, it's, you know, and we all do that. We kind of, you know, put ourselves in personality and demographic silos. But so to get beyond that is you've got to look differently. Work. A, let me ask you, here's a, we talked uh, b- before we been, began recording about the world of NASCAR racing, which is where I come from. One of my favorite quotes from Dale Earnhardt Jr. is how bad do you want it? So that's my question. How bad do you want to achieve a goal of diversity and inclusion? So, so, so if you really sincerely want it, look beyond the normal. Look beyond the go-to. And in every community, at a, on a local level, every community, my experience says, okay, we need to have a representative of an underrepresented community. Oh, I know who we can get. We can get this person over here. They'll do it. Well, all of a sudden, you know what? That same individual is on five different boards for exactly the same reason. Now, can't you do better than that? 
So maybe you ask that go-to person, who would you recommend? So in every community across this country, there are going to be organizations that represent uh, minority communities, underrepresented populations, and all you have to do is reach out to those. So that's in the, that's in the recruiting uh, part of it. You also have to make sure your organization has the right optics. So you talk about diversity and inclusion, but what does your website look like? Who are the faces on your website, in your promotional activities? Who are you recognizing? What does your professional staff look like? What are your vendors? What vendors look like? Who do you do business with? So, and again, that leads us to the next most important step of, of achieving diversity, Rob, successfully is the inclusion part. You can't, it's not just enough, Rob, to reach out and say, okay, person on our underrepresented population, great, here's your spot on the board, thank you, and then period, the end. There's got to be more. Well, this has been so interesting. I love your practicality. It's obviously, you have a lot of experience in this. I encourage my listeners to get your book. So in fact, how can people find your book and how can they connect with you if they'd like to? Rob, thank you so very much. I'm, I'm really excited. The, the nonprofit community has is, is, uh, supported uh, the book uh, and responded to it way better than I ever thought it would. It's an Amazon bestseller. As a matter of fact, right now, during a, this time of the year, Amazon's running a discounted price. So grab yours and save a dollar or two. But Amazon, my, it's in, and it's in bookstores online, but Barnes and Noble, other locations across the online communities across the country. It's available on my website, hardysmith.com. Reach out to me, hardy at hardysmith.com. And I'm always looking to connect and expand and help the nonprofit community. Well, again, well, Hardy, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to share these insights. And thanks for talking about board engagement because for nonprofits, you know, board engagement is critical and having a healthy board, absolutely critical to the lifeblood really of nonprofits. So again, thanks for sharing this and thanks for writing the book. Rob, thank you so very much. I, I look forward to your continuing impact in the sector. I know you've got a Big, big difference, expanding beyond where you've been. So congratulations to the difference you're making. Hey friends, well, I wanted you to know that this podcast can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, Google Podcasts, and wherever you listen to other podcasts. I also want to encourage you to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with others. This will actually help us get this great content out to more nonprofit leaders just like you. You can also join the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast community. Find other resources and interviews of past guests all on my website, nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. Well, thanks again for listening. And until next time, keep making your world better.